It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. It's a microcosm of it. You know, we played a good hockey game. I mean, you know, we were snake bent from an offensive perspective. We had plenty of scoring chances. Flurry played great. And, you know, we've just been finding ways to lose, and we've Looked at it till we're blue in the face, and I don't think we've played much different at home than we have on the road. And it's just, I mean, I, thought we, I mean, <laughs> we played a really good hockey game for the most part, and they get two power play goals off the rush, which we normally don't give up. Um, we had some great five-on-five -five chances we couldn't capitalize on. They get a CNI single for their third goal. That's hockey, you know. Uh, sometimes in basketball they say it's a make-or-miss league in the NBA. Well. In the NHL, you got to capitalize on your chances, and we didn't, and they did. And they had four, on our count, they had four five-on-five five chances all night long. So we gave up five goals on 11 scoring chances. All right, good morning, everyone. I feel like all year long we've watched the Sharks down by a goal entering the third period, potentially in a position to get themselves back into the game and or the lead, only to see it slip away. It's like this team is consistently capable of only playing about 40 minutes of hockey, and that might be just indicative of what they are right now. They're about two-thirds of the quality that they need to be. It's enough to keep them in a game, but not enough to allow them to get the win. I feel like that's been on display even more so since the trade deadline. And that's what happens when you no longer have as many talented players as you once did. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the grit and the grind and the determination that the Sharks show game in, game out. Like that to me is more important than anything else just because in a difficult situation like this, you need to have these guys fighting. You need to have them in a position to put on their best effort and go out there and give themselves a chance. And I've... I've said it all year long. If you've only given up two goals entering the third period, then I feel like you've done your job. You're down 2-1 entering the third. There's a big part of your game where you've done enough to give yourself a chance, but the Sharks all year long consistently not good enough to turn that quote-unquote chance into an ability to win a game. And there's a lack of talent. There is a lack of overall cohesiveness as a group. And I'm not saying that to speak ill of what they are as a group, but you can't deny the results. Like the ultimate product that they've been able to put out there is not able to consistently win in these games in which they enter the third period in these situations. And we've seen it time and time again where the Sharks have only given up two goals when the, when the third period is starting. And I always say that's a winnable game if you've only given up two entering the third. And beyond that, especially if you're at home, I mean, that's the most frustrating thing about this is that you are in your own house this should be an opportunity for you to get a big-time win, but instead, the consistent factor all year long is that for the Sharks, it's been 
I won't say a house of horrors because for the most part, the Sharks are always giving themselves a, a chance, but it's more likely been a, a house of consistent disappointments just because they, I'm sure, want to be able to put up a better performance in front of their home fans. They want to be able to get these wins and just consistently they have not been able to get it done. And again, that's not effort. That's not you know anything to speak ill of these guys. It's just the common factor with all these home games. Like this team just simply doesn't have enough to get it done. And I'm not holding this against him. I don't think this is a personal thing. And this is not, you know, I'm not trying to sound like some, you know, jerk and be like, oh, this team, they're not like, yeah, we know the writing's on the wall. They were and are a hyper competitive team that has probably played a little bit above their heads all year long for the pride they feel as a group, but the pride they feel as a group might not be enough to allow them to get wins. And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from their effort and their determination and their ability to keep keep these games competitive. It's just the end result. Time and time again, it is the same. So it's unfortunate. You know, I, I try to look at it in the right perspective of saying, yeah, like wins right now are not necessarily going to help this team. And I do think about the draft pick. I'm not, you know, blind to these realities, even though I don't like winning. But there is a part of me that just, you know, you look at all these games in which they are in it when they are entering the third period. And there's been, again, so many games this year where it's a one-goal game. The Sharks are down by a goal entering the third period. And you think to yourself, well, maybe here's an opportunity. And they can't swing that momentum. And that's something that I often talk about with teams is that, High-quality teams are able to make that momentum swing. They're able to give themselves a chance to have that better performance, to have that better night, to have that big-time play that allows them to swing momentum from one direction to the next. But this year's team doesn't have that ability, which is maybe even that much more frustrating because they do seem like such a tight group. They do seem like they have such a, a good bond and a good dressing room and a good vibe within the locker room. I mean, that is always a big part of the battle to make sure that when you're going through tough times that everybody stays together and they've done a phenomenal job of that. And you give Logan Couture a lot of credit that with that. You give you know Eric Carlson a lot of credit with that. You give a lot of credit to Tomas Hurdle. All these guys that you look up to inside that dressing room that are leaders for the franchise and inside the NHL as a whole. But right now, the end result time and time again is that they're not able to take that next step to give themselves the lead or take control of the game. And even when they keep on the fight to make it a 3-2 game and you think there's a chance, they take a penalty and then, you know, it's right back to where you started. And I know that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but it's just kind of like, you know, you, even when you earn these opportunities and even when you get these chances to give yourself a, a chance to get back into the game, it seems to still go in the opposite direction. And these are things that you will hope that they have the ability to change, but you just don't know who's going to be on this roster next year, what the team is going to be like next year, what exactly their overall abilities are going to be next year, because this year's team is a lot different from last year's team. You know, last year's team even though they were playing a lot of young forwards at the NHL level, they still had Brent Burns and they still had Timo Meyer and they were better at home. And yes, there were differences and similarities. And, you know, it's hard to really make that overall comparison because each team is an individual. And when you look ahead to next year, you only know so much. But I do think that next year, regardless of what the team consists of overall, I think there is definitely going to be a push to figure out how to win at home. And it's it's easier said than done. I mean, I make the comparison to, you know, my own work in sports, working for the earthquakes and 
They had big-time troubles winning at home over the past two seasons as well. It's something that was a huge issue for them. And, you know, you would look back at the past and you would see these home field advantages and you would think some of these teams weren't as talented and they were still able to win at home. And you think about the differences. And, you know, sometimes there is no rhyme or reason. And I think that, you know, we heard this from David Quinn last night. He talked about, you know, the fact that they play at home the same way they play on the road. And, yeah, you can't always come up with an explanation for the way things work out. Sometimes that's just the way the games are going to be played. You would like to think that you can ride some of that emotion at home, that your fans can give you that much more of a boost, but this isn't rocket science. This isn't something that you can immediately look at and say to yourself, oh, well, because we have you know, a, a sellout crowd tonight and because we have Eric Carlson, that's enough to get a win. Like, No, that's, that's not how sports are played. This is the NHL. You have to fight and grind for every little bit that you are going to get. Speaking of Eric Carlson, I know that there's literally nothing left to say about the type of season that he's having, but he had another point last night. He set the all-time record for points in a season by a defenseman. Um, Eric Carlson is simply unbelievable. When he touches the puck, incredible things happen. And, you know, I, I know everybody seems to think it's a foregone conclusion that he is going to be gone in the offseason. And Maybe that's the case and maybe that's not, but you know, he doesn't have to approve anything that he doesn't want to. He does have the no movement, no trade clause. So even though there are situations which that, you know, the Sharks might find themselves a suitor for him, he might not want to leave and he might end up being here. And which is his that's his ability. That's his right. He's earned it and it was in the contract language when he signed it with the San Jose Sharks. And you know, there's also the fact that everyone seems to be doing this thing where they say, oh, if you can get Eric Carlson for this amount of money, it's like, well, yeah, if you get a max retainment, then that might be a reality. But also, you might not get max retainment from the Sharks. They might not want to agree to that. They might say to this, like, hey, this is a guy who's over a point per game last year on a not-so-great team, and you want us to go ahead and pay how much of his salary? It, it is, it, you know, it's not the best usage of funds Overall, in my opinion, unless you think you can immediately turn that into something that you think will allow you to turn that page on where the franchise is right now. Like you have to see some sort of a tangible result that you can turn into something because Eric Carlson is that high caliber of a player. And maybe that means that things get delayed and you look again at what's at the deadline. And, you know, I just I, I keep on going back to that. It's like no one really knows what is going to happen next. So I, I keep that in mind when thinking about all things San Jose, because it doesn't, you know, everyone, again, goes to the foregone conclusion, and sometimes that foregone conclusion is not the reality. I mean, getting the Sharks to take a max retainment on a contract that big is a lot easier for others to speculate than maybe for Mike Greer to do. As we look at other positive takeaways out of the game last night, I do appreciate what William Eklund showed throughout the game, especially in the first two periods. I know that we are all expecting William Eklund to turn into a star in the NHL, and that doesn't happen overnight, and that's a lot of pressure for him to be dealing with. But I think that if he shows these greater stretches of games where he looks like he's getting more comfortable on the ice, where he looks like he's having more opportunities, I think that to me is something that you really need to see. I know we want to see goals, I know we want to see points, but one of my main things that I want to see is, does he look more comfortable on the ice? Does he look more in tune with the game? Does he look like he's reacting the right way? And you can take a look at the penalty that got called for and maybe take that as an example of him not being you know, quite in sync with the game and where he needs to be at that instant. That's another discussion. But even with that penalty considered, I do think you have to look at the totality of his game and think that he is getting more comfortable out there on the ice, that he is getting a, a better handle on the NHL game. And that's something that 
you know, I certainly expect to see from him and from all the young players that do get an opportunity here before the season is done. Like, do they look more comfortable with their NHL game? Do they look like they're adapting? Do they look like they're understanding what their assignments are? Do they look like they have the ability to adapt to the NHL game? That is, that's the big question for me. It's not about them being perfect or being stars in the immediate game in, game out. It's about them showing the necessary growth that they can be NHL players. William Eklund, to me, looks like an NHL player. He looks like he's still learning the NHL. Those two things can be equally true. But the important thing is that while we are in the midst of a lost year, that the Sharks take advantage of this time to get more players up as the season gets deeper and give them opportunities to really assess their game and see where they are. Right now, William Eklund is hopefully learning where he is and where he is not. Maybe we'll get a chance to do that with a Shakir Makhmadoulin. Maybe we'll get a chance to do that with a Thomas Bordlow. I don't know for certain, but it is what I think you are allowed with this opportunity. And the Sharks, right now, they are trying to get through the end of this year, get to the finish line, see if they can give themselves more information on certain players as they head into next year. Because next year, there's going to be a lot of these same battles with some of the younger players to earn that NHL time. And Mike Greer, we know he's insistent on making guys earn it, which I have no problem with. You don't want somebody up at the NHL and just thinking they deserve it. You've got to make sure that they can put themselves through the paces and give themselves the ability to succeed at the NHL level. So, you know, we will see more of that. But for the time being, it's it's not easy for the Sharks. And I think that when you see them reacting to home loss after home loss the way they are and what they've been through over the course of this season, you do see it taking a toll. Guys were dejected after the loss last night. There was not a whole lot of fire in their post-game language and it's probably just the mounting frustrations of time and time again being in a game and not be able to get it done. And I think that we could hear that from David Quinn. I think that even though he was happy with something like the power play, because that's been very quiet as of late, there were other aspects of the game that he was not too happy with, probably some of the penalties they took, like Svechnikov in particular, which, yes, I did not love and thought there could have been a penalty against Minnesota as well, but that's just not how it's going for the Sharks right now, and that's something that they're going to have to deal with and take with them into each and every game. And they've got you know more work to do ahead of them as they will continue being at home for the next couple of games and seeing if they can put forth a better effort against Columbus, against Seattle, against New York before they go out on the road again. And I understand that, like we all talk about, it doesn't behoove them to get a lot of wins at this point. And you might be pointing to that game against Columbus and saying, Ted, that's that's not a game they want to win, but I think that you need to get wins at some point to give your group that little bit of a boost or some hope or some reward for their game. It's hard to go out there game in, game out, and play well and give yourself a chance only to end up with the wrong result night after night after night after night. That's a lot to ask of anybody, and the Sharks understand that as well as any team in the NHL this year. I mean, they have been in game after game after game, but we all know it's not enough to just be in a game. You've got to give yourself an opportunity to win. And unfortunately, the Sharks are the team that in these tight games all too often ends up making the mistake or taking the penalty or turning the puck over or doing the thing that gives the other team the opportunity to win the game. And it's been a big part of their DNA all year long, and it's not going to change now, but it is something they have to pay attention to to make sure it's not a part of their game going forward in the next season. All right, we are going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to talk with Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group, who covers the Sharks. That's coming up next, as well as some post-game sound. You're on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. 
That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Pretty good start, I think. Uh, but again, you can you can see, you know, they do it a little bit more consistently than we do, and you know, they get rewarded for it. But uh, you know, not the worst, not the best. Uh, so you know, we'll we'll keep moving forward. Yeah, like I said, last night seemed to hit different for the guys, and I think it's just adding up. It's been a difficult season. Eric Carlson, usually even after a loss, will uh, be a little bit more effusive in his post-game commentary, but he really just seemed kind of dejected and uh, wasn't even willing to joke about teasing Brent Burns about taking down his all-time Sharks points record in a single season by a defenseman. I don't know if I'll tease him. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, Again, uh, it is what it is. Uh, I think we've done a fairly good job here for the most part of the season. I think it's been tough the last few weeks. Uh, you know, hopefully we can just uh, keep building on the things that we want to build on and uh, you know, move it forward. And I think that what you're hearing, unfortunately, is an Eric Carlson that is sick and tired of all the losing. And head coach David Quinn spoke to his overall appreciation of the game they played, but just again expressed that disappointment. Listen, I liked our breakouts. I liked our ozone play. I thought our neutral zone play was pretty good. And I liked our power play. Obviously, you get two goals. Disappointed that we get, you know, a chance to make it three to three, and instead we take a penalty. You know, and that's kind of, you know, we've talked about it all year long. You can do all these great things, but there are key moments in games where you got to play winning hockey, and, you know, we uh, got away from us a little bit there. A story we have seen all too many times this year for the San Jose Sharks. All right, we are now joined by Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks by Bay Area News Group. I asked him about just his overall 30,000-foot view on the Sharks after the deadline and everything that went down. Well, you know, I, I think it was just a situation with, with the season that the Sharks had that they, you know, didn't really have much choice in the matter as far as what they did in terms of trading the players they did. Um, you know, at the start of the season, there's a lot of speculation about Timo Meyer, where where his future lied, whether, um, you know, if, if the Sharks were going to try to extend him uh, and make him, uh, you know, give him another long-term contract, uh, what Mike Greer's thinking was in terms of that and, and in terms of maybe a couple other players on this team. So, you know, nothing nothing terribly surprised. I guess I, guess I was a little surprised. Um, you know, when, when Mikey Isima was, was traded, because we all mm-hmm. thought at the time, well, he's a pending restricted free agent, you know, he's still under team control, but we weren't aware at the time that he was actually a, a group, could be, a, would, would be a group six free agent, um, you know, if he had stayed with the Sharks. So uh, at the end of the year, so, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, in time, we'll, we'll, we'll see how these trades worked out, particularly the Timo Meyer trade, if that's something that, um, you know, has benefited the Sharks in the long term. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a good trade and a bad trade or what. You got to you got to wait until these guys pan out, and yeah. you know, two or three years from down the line, then you can make an accurate um, assessment of, of of how good uh, the Sharks did at the trade deadline. But you know, right now, I don't. I, you know, it's just uh, they, they did what they felt they needed to do. 
They they added a couple of high draft picks. They added a couple of prospects on the on the backside. Um, so you know it's uh, I, I wasn't terribly surprised by all any of the moves that, that Mike Greer made here uh, uh, before uh, before last Friday. Mike Greer, when asked about what this was, um, you know the R word rebuild, reset, restart. You know, he seemed to argue that it was somewhat of semantics. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where do you come down on that? Well, you know, it's it's my my feeling is that I don't think when you talk about rebuild, sort of that whole uh, what it implies is that you're tearing it down to the studs and starting over. And I don't think, I mean, just given the contracts that the Sharks have right now, that they're really interested in doing that. I don't think I don't think Sharks ownership. Uh, is interested in, in in doing something along those lines, even though some fans might be um, saying that's the way to go. I don't um, I don't think Hossa Plotner has much interest in in a full teardown and uh, you know just getting uh, just collecting draft picks uh, one after the other for the next two or three years. I think the hope is the Sharks can can see some make some progress next year and then build on that going forward. Um, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure, but I think that's the, that's the organization's view anyway. And so when you use a word like rebuild, um, you know, the definition of that is can vary from person to person, but I think Mike Greer sees that as a, as a term that means you're going to, you're going to, you're going to strip it right down and, and start from scratch. And I don't think that, that that's what he, he's interested in. I don't know if that's Mike, what, I don't think that's what Hostel Plotner is interested in. So um, from his perspective, anyway, I think he just wants to, you know, try to get this team back into a position where it can compete again uh, sometime there in the, you know, soon rather than later, I guess. When asked about a timeline, Greer wouldn't give anything specific. And he said that, you know, he didn't think that giving a, a number would behoove him. And I, and I agree. I don't, you know, there's, it's too hard to know. But I think another aspect of that is what you just brought up with Hasso Plotner is that how patient is Hasso? Like how, because we don't, we don't have a clear idea of how long this is going to take. No, no. And, and, you know, he's seen his team miss the playoffs four years in a row now. And he is, he's still invariably, you know, from everything we have, we, we know, um, you know, he's still passionately involved and, and seeing this team uh, have some success. He's not the youngest of men anymore. You know, he wants to uh, see this team sort of, be back where it was, you know, four or five, six years ago, or was regularly competing for a playoff spot and a Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, I, I think from his perspective, it's just a situation where, you know, and in in you know, running from a competitive standpoint, but I think just from a business standpoint too. Like, you know, I don't know if this is a market that can really, um, you know, stomach another three, four years without making the playoffs. I mean. You know, to be honest, it's just like you've got so many other options to spend your money here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you really want to come to the uh, uh, an arena where um, it's just there's there's just not much hope for uh, a team that's going to contend for a playoff spot? So, I think I figure the business aspect um, you know figures into this, and I think the uh, uh, you know the personal aspect to just a competitive guy that also Plotner is. I don't think he wants to to see this, uh, you know, drag on for another three or four years. He'd like to see it's a team that, you know, people can be excited about kind of going forward anyway. So do you still think it's reasonable to, cause I know that I made the comparison, the, the lazy sports talk comparison to saying, Hey, the Niners got it going under Shanahan and Lynch in year three. So, I mean, is that, 
is that still a realistic expectation? Do you think that's out there that, you know, like you alluded to, maybe not be in the playoffs next year, but put something together and then build upon it? Do you, I mean, do you think playoffs and, you know, another year after next is a realistic expectation or is it too hard to even predict that far out? It's a little hard to predict that that far out, but, you know, I will give the Sharks credit in that they've, they started to lay, you know, the groundwork for, for something to happen along those lines. Whereas, you know, two or three years ago, um, you know, we weren't sure what the direction was going to be. Uh, now it seems that at least there's, there's a plan in place and uh, for at least a, a way uh, for the Sharks to sort of come out of this malaise and, and be a better team going, you know, in the next two or three years, you know, they still have some major questions to answer. Who, who's, Who's going to be their long-term goalie? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the you know what what, what kind of people? What, what does this defense look like in, in two or three years? You know who's going to be the 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 young up-and-comers who can really help turn this team around? Um, all the all those questions are kind of you know still a little bit up in the air. But you know I think from the Sharks' perspective, they've they've they've, they've tried to sort of you know, lay a foundation, lay the groundwork for, for something like that to happen and, you know, whether it pounds out or not, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, um, you know, I think at least from, from their perspective, they, they, they try to, uh, they're trying to at least put themselves in a position where they can be better in, in two or three years. The interesting quote that we got from Greer was saying that he wasn't always going to flip it for picks. And I think that's, that's the one takeaway that I have. And I, I mean, you can, say that it was a red herring or you can say he was saying it just to put it out there. But I thought that was maybe low key. One of the things that went kind of under the radar and really makes me wonder what they're going to do in this off season, because what we saw just now, I mean, there was, there was a lot of change that happened in the last couple of weeks. And then what we're seeing in the summer in, in theory, I mean, it could be more big time changes to this roster. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think if, if, if the sharks wanted it to be, or, or thought this this would be more of a longer process prospect or process, um, then yeah, I think Mike Greer would have been okay with with flipping Timo Meyer um, for just a bunch of picks or maybe one or two younger players to to go with that. Um, but he wants, um, you know, he, he he purposely wanted to get guys who were early in their early twenties to sort of help uh, turn the th- turn things around here in the next the next couple of years. Um, you know, in terms of the roster, you know, trades, buyouts, uh, these are all on the table uh, going forward for the Sharks. You know, Mike Gert, you know, has to do what he feels is best for the and the best, you know, long term interest of the organization. And so he doesn't necessarily have, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the ties or is connected to some of these players and their contracts as maybe the, the Doug Wilson was uh, in prior years. So, I mean, this. We'll see what happens. I mean, there are ways to sort of, you know, turn turn things around and, you know, at least get things going in the right direction from a financial standpoint, a cap standpoint. Um, and I think that's going to be a big thing in the, for this organization in the offseason is what they do, sort of try to help clear a little cap space going forward. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what uh, what that all entails. But, you know, I think it's, uh, it is going to be another interesting offseason for the Sharks for sure. While we look at the future, what have you thought of William Eklund in the couple of games that he's been up now? You know, I, I think, you know, you see the growth a little bit from, from last year. Obviously, he's, he's added some muscle to his, to his frame. I think he's, you know, much more, much more ready 
to sort of play at this level long term than he was a year ago. Um, you know, I, I so I, I think it was the right move for the Sharks to sort of start him, start his year in the American League, let him get used to this program pro game on, on the smaller ice surface again. Um, build him build some confidence, and then when he gets here, um, you know, you can stay here. You know, I don't know if he's going to stay with the Sharks uh, throughout for the rest of the season, but. I think the Sharks feel better that he's going to be a guy that breaks camp with the Sharks next season mm-hmm. and stays with them all year. So I'm mean, still to be seen, but I think the Sharks feel that, you know, he's in a better position to succeed now uh, than he was, uh, you know, if he had, if he had stayed uh, with the team uh, from the start of the season. Yeah. And I, I also go back to what Greer said about making guys earn it. And I'm sure that he's probably trying to maybe play, I don't know. I don't try not to be inflammatory in this sense, but like he might be trying to play that game with a Thomas Bordalo of making him want it that much more because he saw his teammate get the call, even though earlier in the year it was it was Bordalo was having you know the more um, exciting season, and William came on strong as of late. And I think that's probably not a bad thing to make those guys want it as opposed to thinking they deserve it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's 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 sort of a, a tendency to say, okay, well this guy's out of the picture now and automatically you bring up, uh, you know, a prospect like, uh, uh, you know, like a Borlo or another winger or another defenseman, um, you know, to sort of, sort of, uh, you know, uh, go forward here. But yeah, you I mean, I think they, they have to, they have to earn their way up here. Um, you know, they have to uh, compete to, to stay up here. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's certainly part of it as well. You want to sort of have that kind of accountability and, and to, to sort of, uh, you know, let pe- let other guys in the locker room too know that, you know, these guys aren't just coming up here because there's their turn. They they got to come up here and they got to make their way, earn their way in to stay. Again, that is Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group. If you want to hear the entirety of that interview, check out the build-up game 67 versus Minnesota. Uh, again, some great stuff from Curtis there talking about everything with the Sharks. We are out of time. I will see you on Tuesday afternoon as we get ready for the Sharks to host Columbus. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.